Hi, it's Lisa. Welcome back to The Healing Path, a podcast created to connect our broken hearts as we journey into honest conversations about grief and loss in our daily lives. Following the deaths of two of my children, I struggled for many years to fill the holes in my heart. I felt like I tried everything, prayer, meditation, therapy, coaching, reading, journaling, waiting, begging, you name it. Plus, I tried a few less productive approaches. And after two decades of continuing to grieve, it occurred to me that maybe I'd set the wrong goal. Instead of trying to feel better by filling the painful voids, I've learned that building a life around them is a much more attainable target. A major part of this approach is talking openly about what my grief is like and helping others to do the same so we don't have to keep it all to ourselves. With this newfound permission to let all the parts of us be here, we may just feel more human and less like robots on autopilot. So I created the Healing Path podcast with the hope that sharing our stories in a mutually compassionate environment will help us to stop working so hard to hide our scars from ourselves in the world and start wearing them proudly as the medals of love that they are. Thank you for checking out this episode of The Healing Path. And today I'm chatting about a post called Possibilities. And this was shared on Monday, December 12th, 2022. Exactly one year ago today, I awoke in a state of confusion amidst what seemed like a bluish iced toned world around me. The air was still and cool. I was observing myself lying down, but I was outside of my body. The physical body itself was separate from me, and it was reluctant to move, as I'd poured excessive wine and food into it for most of the prior evening. Yesterday, 2021, had been the second Sunday in December. We'd participated in yet another annual memorial candle lighting service with the support group for parents who have lost their children called Compassionate Friends. The candle lighting is an international wave of memorial candles that is initiated at 7 p.m. local time until the light has made its way around the world. Lovely concept. Only I didn't feel lovely. Instead, I felt the rising of a numbing wave, carrying familiar pain and regret that I'd been wrestling with since I was in my teen years. I was only 17 when brutal murder and suicide took two of my friends and peers in separate situations. These waves of pain and regret, which overran me as a young person, promised to be temporary, but they were here to stay. They were actually just the beginning of laying the foundation that would later become my way of life. Returning to a year ago, I wasn't hovering over my body looking down on it, as I have done many times before when trying to dissociate from something painful that was happening. On this day, It was more like I was sitting there on the bed next to a motionless, exhausted body that was horizontal and fully depleted. I felt intense compassion for the woman she'd become while developing a knowing 
that she was in a different kind of danger this time. Running from grief, finally, paralyzed me and my marathon-trained body, which was listless and cold to the touch. There was a decision to be made. No bullshit. The choice was this. Would I allow the then disjointed, compartmentalized person I'd become grow so loud and strong as if to take over and decimate my literal being? And would that allowance result in an end to my life and hers? Or alternatively, could I let go of that person I'd become, have love and compassion for her, and allow that specific part of my being to dissipate without taking me down with it. I'd spent decades of trying to heal from the deaths of my children. I yearned to make a way for myself in a culture where we don't do death, we don't do grief, and we certainly don't do dead babies. So whether I was becoming a PICU nurse in service of my grief experience or I was working hard to get cost-prohibitive, exorbitant, and pre-digested food into Zach's tiny body for his survival, or sitting with friends who were accompanied by their growing, thriving progeny. I never fit anywhere. I felt as though I had given it a hell of a run. But after all this time, I still felt like a misfit and had nothing left to give. After my daughter Alexis, 96 to 97, died, and my son Emmanuel, 2002, died at birth, I tried to outrun my devastation. I was in an alien existence as a mother without her babies, bereft and in shock. I was proactive and tried not to be reactive. I thought if I ran enough marathons, was kind enough to all medical providers and caregivers, purchased my dream house, built and ran companies, and made more and more money, and kept advocating for Zachary. I guess I thought my grief would dissolve over time. But the grief never budged. The only thing that dissolved was me, or the person that I took myself to be, who at that point was horizontal next to me. In the absence of locating examples or role models of actual people who had been through something like this and still had some quality of life after their losses, I was left to my own devices of figuring it out. So that's what I tried to do for 25 years. And for all of that time, I was a pretty good sport, or at least I tried to be. I participated in life felt true joy with a capital J for others who were raising healthy children. I educated myself to continually rise professionally, first as a pediatric ICU nurse, then in the legal nurse consulting world, and over the last decade, evolving into the best corporate sales leader I knew how to be. And on this December morning in 2021, five months After retiring from the corporate world, I was led here, watching my body finally resign. 
I was completely detached from the 50-year-old female in the supine position who took slow, shallow breaths while stretched horizontally next to me. As I sat with a straight spine, cross-legged, next to her, knowing something was different, but not yet knowing if she and I would be safe. I looked dead to myself, peaceful, but without life energy. The woman's body lying next to me had fought and lost the fight and also lost her will to live. She had an exit strategy to make it stop and to rest. And it wasn't a cry for help. It was a plan to end her life. Mercifully, and by the grace of God, my partner Ernest, my family, and my therapist acted quickly. They too could see that something was different, and I was in grave danger. They came to my side in an instant. And when they did... There was no longer a decision to be made. I knew that in order to survive, I would have to surrender to the full experience of the profound sadness and loneliness I'd experienced since I first became a mom and had a miscarriage. That meant I would have to stop running, and I did not know how to do that. Surrendering to my full experience meant I would have to feel my losses and be willing to integrate them instead of working so hard to suffocate them. I am not referring to the grief we let others see. And I'm not referring to the public persona we create when we are in grief bunker hiding mode. I'm talking about the essence of our pain. The very feelings we've never shared with anyone maybe not even ourselves. This would be the experience of helplessness and terror that I've learned at the first moment that I could not save my children. And this is how that long-term impotence has impacted me every moment since they died. Until December 2021, I'd employed a different, more socially acceptable strategy And that was to make the best of things, damn it, keep moving. I played that role well until it trampled me. And now the proverbial fork in the road was one of survival. Would the worn, depressed, once enthusiastic woman who tried so hard to play nice, but couldn't soothe her wounds, tap out, and finally get to lay herself to rest? Or would I parentheses, my essence, the one sitting on the bed with a straight spine, survive and allow the hollow woman, the listless one who's tired of playing nice, exit into final rest. I didn't know it at the time, but that was the decision before me. A few days later, with the love of people around me, I voluntarily checked myself into the hospital where I would be safe and get the help that I needed. If my essence was going to survive, it needed a factory reset. And we got one. After 10 days in the hospital and another two weeks plus in an outpatient program, a new possibility arose. That was the possibility to live a different way. 
Since last December, I have been working hard to arm myself with information and tools to integrate my pain instead of cutting myself off from it. I spent most of this year getting to know myself again, and maybe for the first time, through yoga and racquetball, meditation and hiking, therapy, coaching, writing, and spending a lot of time with Zach. Every day brings its unique challenges, and I still grieve for my children and lost loved ones. But each day also brings something else. It brings possibility. The point of today's podcast is simply this. If we check out of our lives, partially or fully, we close the door to anything else being possible. We don't know what the possibilities may be, how the circumstances of our lives, our work, our relationships can evolve into something else. But what we do know is that there are no possibilities once we've checked out. I am humbled and grateful for the days and weeks I was able to allow myself finally to ask for help and to receive it last year. It was not an easy decision for me to share this experience publicly now, but mustering up the courage to do so strengthens my resolve. I no longer wonder if I can quote-unquote handle it. I know there are still possibilities, and through one of them, or some of them, or all of them together, I might just be able to handle anything. Ask for help. Keep the possibilities open. And above all, have compassion for all the parts of you. There is no roadmap of survival, but there are travelers next to, in front of, and behind you. Make the decision to engage. You'll never know what can happen next without the existence of possibility. So thanks for listening to this episode of the Healing Path podcast. This was uh, obviously a difficult thing for me to address, uh, both when I was writing and also just reading it again into the podcast. But it's so important for me to be able to speak publicly. Um, I remember going into the hospital, certainly not knowing if I was coming out or what that would look like, um, because at that moment I couldn't, I couldn't see anything past, you know, my nose. Um, but I had no idea that there would be another way to kind of move forward. And I know that when I um, decided to admit myself, I thought, you know, who's going to find out about this? Or there was a big, big pressure to, you know, I was scared, like, okay, if I do survive, it's going to be humiliating kind of thing. And, you know, I'm just proud that that's not the case. I, I'm very proud of my recovery, my journey, my healing, and it's a day at a time commitment that I make again and again. And I know sometimes the question that I get is, you know, how do how do I move forward? You seem to be, you know, balancing well, you seem to be doing, you know, well, we love this word, quote unquote, well, <laughs> it's like, it's not too ambitious, like we're great, but it's not like we're doing terribly. Um, so yeah, you seem to be doing well. And I think what I really want people to hear, especially if you're, 
deep into grief is these are small choices that I commit to again and again and again. And every day is day one. That's um, a big part of the backbone of what I learned in coaching is this idea that, you know, every day we get a chance to start new. That's not a, an optimized thing, but that is where I heard of that. And we get this choice to either, you know, jump out of bed and go for it or to hit snooze a couple of times and kind of try to ease our way into the day with our coffee and our, you know, whatever we may listen to before we're starting our work day. But what I want to share is these are small decisions, every little decision. Um, I think sometimes we're looking for, you know, what's the the magic pill? If I were going to say what a magic pill was, I would say meditation has changed my life, hands down. But that's another chat. Um, but there really, you know, there isn't anything just huge for us to do. We want the big solution for the big pain. And the truth is, the only solution that I have found is comprised of many, many, many little decisions that are in my own best interest for my own self-care and yes, well-being. <laughs> and they constitute what becomes a bigger key to open the door to freedom. So I, I, my decisions to meditate and do yoga and to be in nature and to connect with others and to give and to be generous and to be grateful, all those things have a place in my day. And there are very few activities that I take part in that are not intentional because I am aware now of the time that's going by and I don't want to waste it. So sure, like everyone, I'm going to you know, watch Netflix from time to time um, or eat a little too much or whatever it might be. But the bulk of my decisions go up against a test. And the test is, is this what I need or is this not what I need? It's not someone that I ask. It's not, I don't go into Google and say, is this a good idea for me? Which is <laughs> no joke, something that I did do at one point um, when I was really feeling <laughs> hopeless. And I surprisingly... <laughs> didn't get many new answers that I didn't already know when I ran the search. But anyway, so yeah, there's no magic thing. I, I just want people to hear that. I just think self-care, gratitude, generosity, those things, kindness, um, are, the, are the things that amount to what ends up being the bomb, um, B-A-L-M, for our wounds. And, you know, there was a time that I think that the unknown – you know, the factor of surprise or the element of adventure or, you know, n not knowing what was going to happen, it, that used to be something desirable. And we would look forward to, you know, things that whether it was a birthday surprise or maybe a holiday or someone surprised and dropped by to visit our house or a phone call or anything that we weren't expecting. It's not just that the unknown is a dark thing. When we open up to what we don't know it's coming, we open up to the whole realm of possibility, not just the shit sandwich. We open up to great things that can happen too. So I bring that up because to me, this is very good news. If I were, you know, if I lived in a life that had no strife, then I might not think that this was good news. I might not be happy that things were definitely going to change. But when you've had the shit sandwich, you're really, 
you're not so concerned about not knowing and you're kind of open. And so I'm kind of open to what might be coming. Now, sometimes it's the shit French fries that go along with the shit sandwich and that sucks. But eventually everything has to come around. That's just the way that life works. We were birthed and we die and things die and are reborn. And this is true of our energy. This is true in our relationships. This is true of our skills and our talents and our capacities. And what we want to do is get really good at being comfortable, not knowing what's going to happen so that we can keep the doors open for possibility. And that is the message today. So try to get comfortable with not knowing what's going to happen next. Try to let that excitement kind of reroute or reground itself if that's gone from your life. And, you know, once you find yourself sitting cross-legged and and straight-spined next to your physical expression of a body, and you realize that you're right at that edge, and I was certainly right at that edge, then if you can come back from that, everything else is kind of a walk in the park. So I hope that this has landed with any of you today. And of course, I love to hear from you in the blog. Um, Very excited about going into the new year and wishing everybody a very happy, healthy, and safe holiday. And to just remind everybody, just be good to yourselves. And until we meet again, let's do our best to stay present, to stay grateful, and to stay healing. And as always, I sincerely thank you for listening.